I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the Move for Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer. This week's episode is an interview I did a few weeks ago with Ridge Radio so with Matt and Chantal, and we talk about the inception of Body Shot, um, what health means, what corporate health means, you know, whose responsibility is it to look after employee health? Is it the employee? Is it the employer? Is it a bit of both? Uh, we play some tunes, but unfortunately you won't hear them due to copyright reasons, but we play a little bit of music and we just really have a, a long conversation all around what inspired me to set up Body Shot, you know, what is our purpose, what is it we deliver for our, our clients, and about health in general terms, including my health. So I hope you enjoy this one. It's a little bit different from our normal episodes, but I felt the interview was, was really good, so I thought we could put it on our show, see what you guys think. So as always, if you've got feedback or questions that have come about from this episode, drop me an email at leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E, at bodyshopperformance.com. If you think anyone could benefit from listening to this, please hit the share button and jump onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. That is always very much appreciated. I love all the feedback we get on the podcast. So keep that coming. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us on Ridge Radio's business show for all business owners wanting to start or grow their business. I'm Chantal. And I'm Matthew. And we're joined on the show by Leanne. Morning. Good morning. So let's find out about Leanne. Leanne is an award-winning entrepreneur and the founder of Body Shot Performance Limited. She delivered a TEDx talk on why fitness is more important than weight. She's the author of best-selling books, Remove the Guesswork and Rise and Shine, and hosts a podcast called Remove the Guesswork. Leanne is the founder of Body Shop Performance, an award-winning health and well-being company. Body Shop Performance work with businesses of up to 500 people who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance through the business and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Leanne's expertise is around health, fitness and well-being, specifically focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body consumption, digestion body composition definitely not consumption body composition digestion and fitness and she regularly speaks to corporates on health and well-being her personal values are to live truthfully considerately and to suck all the marrow out of life as throw said she put, supports the charity diversity role Medal, models which works to combat homophobic biphobic and transphobic bullying and recently completed the world's toughest ski race to raise £10,125 for Alzheimer's research. An amazing achievement. She is on a constant mission to find ways to live in a way that is sustainable and environmentally friendly and loves sport, fitness, reading, gardening, business, podcasting and being with her cat and scampish little rescue dog Cammy from Romania. Sounds so interesting. 
Leanne is here for the next hour. So please, if you've got any questions you may want to ask her, she'll be very willing to answer them. Please do get involved. It's studio at ridgeradio.co.uk. Or you can message us on Twitter at Ridge Radio UK or via Facebook on The Business Show Ridge Radio. Okay, so Leanne, how did you actually get into this industry in the first place? Well, that's an interesting one. So, firstly, thank you for that introduction. It made me think that I really need to make that a bit pithier. <laughs> I chose to very good, actually. In personalised health. So, about eight years ago, in fact, it was March 2012, I left the city very abruptly. I'd had a, a long career in sales roles, most of which I'd enjoyed, certainly in the first part of my career. Second part started to become a little bit less enamoured with what I did, a bit more disenfranchised. I felt that what I was doing wasn't particularly authentic for what I, you know, my broader values. I looked quite different. I was about two and a half stone heavier. I had long hair. I used to wear skirts, tights and heels. And you're, you can't see, but Chantal's she, smirking. Does it, it doesn't she does not. You it. can look at our photo. She does not look like that anymore. I don't look like that, no. <laughs> and I suppose I felt that was the uniform I had to be wearing. And I just got to a point where I felt quite stressed um, that the sales role is very Sisyphean in nature and I'm not complaining about this but you know you roll a boulder up the hill you hit the sales target and it rolls back down to zero you know at the beginning of the following month and I just got tired of that tired of the people saying I you know I worked with saying I don't get out of bed unless the deal's worth 50 grand and I suppose ultimately I was looking at the little clock in the bottom right hand corner of my screen wishing the day away the week away the month away to payday living very hedonistically and the way I was medicating against all this tension was with copious amounts of alcohol and I mean a lot so anything between a bottle and a half or three bottles of wine a day but certainly on a daily basis I was going somewhere up and down those two amounts so in the end I went to a sales meeting in March 2012 and that they told me there that the deal would fallen through this consultant was building a system and our data was going to be fed into it no system requires no data so as I walked back across London Bridge I thought you know what you should you should leave and do something else you know you're burnt out couple of stone overweight chronically abusing alcohol it's time to jump so I did jump I resigned on the Sunday it was accepted on the Monday and by the following Friday the pass was back the laptop was back and the phone was back and I'd essentially jumped and then checked whether I packed a parachute on the way down <laughs> exactly Turns out I did but I'm not necessarily recommending that sort of abrupt departure but that's essentially what I did and from there I took a few weeks out to rest and recover and then thought well what is it I really want to be doing next it was kind of the intersection of two things one I've always loved business always been very interested in entrepreneurship and business my father was an entrepreneur quite how I found myself working for someone else after uni you know was, was a kind of contradiction but and the other thing believe it or not was health now there's nothing healthy about having M&S ready meals and one and a half bottles of wine sloshing around every evening but that again was part of the tension I was feeling you know I wanted to live in a certain way and I was actually living in another way so that's where body shop personal training came about and as the name suggests we were a PT company for the first year, I couldn't believe that my job was to meet someone in a park and throw a medicine ball at them and hold pads. And, <laughs> but and stop me if I'm going on. But no, we, you know, after a few years, we, we were very successful. But I realised three things, really. One, I was very busy, but starting to feel a bit burnt out because the hours start very early and finish late. And But the more important things were clients were arriving to us, you know, busy professionals. They were arriving and what they really needed to do is take off their rucksack, both metaphorically and literally, and go for a walk and have a chat. They did not need to do a high intensity interval session or anything high intensity. So there was that aspect. We felt that even though we were very good at what we did, we weren't serving people in the right way necessarily. The other thing we realised as we sort of educated ourselves on health and well-being is that fitness is just a small component of health. 
there are other significantly important things as well, like sleep, like mental health, like energy, like body composition, like digestive health, as well as fitness. And so we created this methodology called the Six Signals, which encapsulates all those six things. And we pivoted away from personal training into offering far more holistic or interconnected health coaching packages. So that's kind of where we, we got to up until about a year ago. And then we started to put more focus on the other side of our business, which is to work with companies, typically of around 500 people or less, to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and really underpin well-being as a competitive advantage. And that's where the focus of our business is now. So it's been a real journey of me standing in a park, mm -hmm. uh, advertising on a local forum, to working with subsidiary of Disney with one company, an asset management firm, you know, lots of different types of, of businesses and some of the individuals, the, the kind of the busy professionals that work perhaps within those businesses and from other sources. But I suppose the good thing is that you can actually relate to them a bit, can't you really? Yeah. Because you were back, well, not that long ago, 2012 is only seven years ago, isn't it yeah. really? You were seven years ago at that other end. So you can yeah. actually go, like they can actually see the product really at the end exactly. of the day. It's relevant. I mean, that was, that's kind of what makes us different really. There's my own personal and the people in the company, our personal experience of burnout or chronic stress or chronic disease. We've got huge networks. So if we don't know the answer, we probably know someone that does. I alone have got 13 qualifications in exercise and nutrition. And then I think what's kind of kooky about it is we're all biohackers. And basically biohacking is a term that describes the use of science, technology and nature to improve your physiology. Okay. So one example of biohacking would be to wear blue light blocking glasses, which block out the light that's coming from these screens in front of us, for example. And that suppresses melatonin, which impacts our sleep. So when you wear these glasses, it takes out that frequency of light so that your melatonin isn't suppressed and you can get to sleep at night. That's an example of a biohack. Okay. A more sophisticated example would be injecting yourself with something in order to try and improve your physiology in some way. So you can disappear quite a long way down the biohacking hole. We don't, mm. but it does give us an edge because we're not just going to talk about sleep. You know, you need to have seven to eight hours of sleep a night and ideally it's uninterrupted. It's a bit more sophisticated. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very easy to say what you should be obviously doing, but it's another matter of telling me how to actually do it. Isn't there's it, the really? how and then there's giving you other kind of hacks. So what, how can you use a bit of technology, for example, to help improve sleep? How could you use a bit of technology called a human charger? It's a device that goes into the ears. It looks like an iPod Nano. And it's the Finnish inventors of this realised that you can get light to the brain through the ear canal, through photoreceptors in the ear canal, as well as through the eyes. So if you get up early in the morning and it's dark and you go into an office and you come back out and it's dark, you're getting very little natural light, mm. which is so important for circadian rhythm and general well-being. So you can use this device to give yourself a 12-minute dose of this white light. It's nicknamed the sun in your pocket. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> um, so you can put that in while you're mooching around the house in your dressing gown, getting ready, feeding the dog, putting the kettle on and so on. And it, it effectively is the next best thing to actually looking out the window into natural light. That's a biohack. So it's that kind of stuff that makes wow. us quite different. It's the knowledge of those alternative ways of improving your well-being. Definitely. That's really interesting. So you obviously were in a, the very corporate world, very yeah. big sort of organisations to literally on your own. Yeah. Is there anything you wish you start, you knew when you started being on your own that you might know now? Probably not from the very beginning. It's as the business grew and we got up to just shy of 250 turnover as a PT company. 
I learned the classic lesson of cash flow. You know, don't pay attention to the to zero in the P&L. Pay attention to what's in the bank. So I logged onto the bank account once and thought I'd been stolen from. <laughs> oh, where's all the money? And, you know, well, it's, it's owed to you or it's here or there or, you know, just not managed it very well. The P&L was giving me a rosy picture. I mean, this is all classic, certainly yeah. for you guys in the business you have and perhaps for your listeners. But very true, though, because lots of people do say, like, do look at the profit and loss account or the turnover and just think, oh, yeah, wonderful, my turnover's yep. 250 or whatever. And then suddenly look at the bank account and go, right, I need to go to an overdraft then or yeah. I need a loan because they haven't managed. Yeah. And that was a big learn. And that, it, I guess it would have been good to have known that a little sooner rather than finding out, you know, when I'd logged on one day that I've been looking at the wrong numbers, really. I mean, I suppose initially I chose the tactic of going in at quite low pricing to build up a client base to then creep that client base up in terms of what they were paying. And new clients paid more. And that's the approach I took. That worked for me, but it's you know, you do run the risk of, of setting a certain value for yourself with the pricing and then it's hard to move from that. Hmm. But I'm not entirely, I don't entirely have any regrets about that approach. I think probably it's just to pay a bit more attention to the cash that's in the account as opposed to the P&L. So understanding the figures a bit more really yeah. is quite important. Yeah. So you've been in business seven years. It's had its changes, shall we say. Yeah. What would you say is one of the most challenging things you've had to overcome? Hiring team, probably. Again, it's quite a predictable one, but we've had people come and go. I didn't do a great deal of due diligence in terms of the hiring process initially. So if you know, kind of look like you'd be good, then let's bring you in. What we do now is, is considerably different. So when I recently hired someone, it was actually about a year ago, I got the CVs in. If they looked good and there was nothing screaming, you know, that person might not be good. I just had a quick 20 minute phone call with them and I asked them a couple of questions. What are your own personal values? These are the values of the business. How do you think your actions, behaviours or experience matches up to that? And then I would interview them face to face depending on those answers. So it's far more about values. So as a health and wellbeing company, you don't have to be of a certain fitness level. You don't have to bang on on Instagram about squats and lunges and so on. But you do need to eat well, sleep well, value health, know the connection between feeling good and performing well in any area of life. So all of that kind of stuff was important. And obviously you have to share the values of the company. And so we had people give examples of that value. Number one is to help first. Well, tell me how you've, you know, how your behavior or your actions have matched that value in recent times. What have you done that's been all about helping first? So that that's certainly been a big change, and that was a big challenge. It still is a big challenge, actually, getting the right people into your team. And how many people do you have in your team now? We're 10. 10. And I think that's quite difficult, is getting the right people, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah it is. But it's a learning um, curve, and we learn by our mistakes, so it's yeah. not a bad thing. And then a year ago, we had a classic situation where the on the coaching side of the business, I, yeah, I was getting very busy, so I trained up a couple of coaches, and the bottom just dropped out of the coaching side of things. As we were talking before we went on air, you know, things just changed. There was a sort of reticence amongst individuals to spend that sort of money on their health. Mm. Because our packages are several thousand, three and a half up to 10K for whether it's three months or, 10, or 12 months of kind of by your side health coaching. And that, that market just sort of dropped out of it. So I got two people on, you know, trained up and ready and no work for them. Mm. So, you know, it's... Do we wait until we're busy to hire people again, even if it is on a subcontractual basis, or do we leave it and or get people in early uh, ahead of time? It's that this kind of or managing people, managing the work coming in, and then getting the right people are our biggest challenges. So, the converse to that, then, what's the most rewarding aspect? Well, there's lots of aspects of this I enjoy from a purely personal level. It's having autonomy. Autonomy and variety is the most rewarding. I absolutely love the fact that I am more or less my own 
boss i mean you've got client commitments and work commitments and so on but i can move these things around i, I determine my own diary having that autonomy is, is amazing it was a sunny day in the summer funnily enough <laughs> but it's not always the case and it was beautiful and it was about two or three o'clock and i thought you know what i've gone off the boil in my old life i'd have sat there till five o'clock and done something whatever Ocado or just force myself through work till I could leave at 5.01. I just thought, you know, I'm done. I've gone off the ball. There's nothing productive happening in the next two hours. So I went home. I sat in the sun. I picked up again later or following morning. Having that degree of autonomy is incredibly rewarding. And then the variety of what I do as well. I may be here doing a radio show with you guys. A bit later on, I'll, I'll be doing a podcast. Then I'll be walking down to the office and doing some work there, taking the dog out at whatever time suits me. So having that autonomy and that variety, two things which I think are crucial to well-being. Is definitely the most rewarding aspect personally and then professionally it's seeing businesses or individuals radically transform their health and I don't mean in terms of, of massive weight loss that's not really what we focus on although we've done it I mean sleeping better so their mental health is better so they're more energized to do mm. everything they want to do in life and ultimately empowering them to prolong their health span through personalized health fitness and nutrition and it's incredibly rewarding to see somebody come from burnout to feeling better and ultimately more in control of their life. And I would imagine, so the people that come to you, so like burnout people, would they, because it's very hard as a person to know, say, you're on the verge of a burnout, mm. you know what I mean? And to accept that maybe yeah. as a person to yeah. say, actually, look, if I keep going the way I'm going, I've probably got, like, I don't know, a month or two left and then that'll be it. I'll be gone sort of thing. Mm. My body would collapse. So do you find that people come to you just before that stage, like for individuals rather than working in the corporate sort of thing where you're sort of tackling them as they go along? Yeah. Do they come to you like just before that or are they almost like at that edge door sort of thing before they realise Normally, they've either got to the brink of, I can't go any, I can't go on anymore, you know, I need to do something, or it's shortly afterwards where they've kind of come through, scraped themselves through, gone back to work and realised, I'm not better, I need to do something more than what I've already done. So it's normally at one of those two stages. What I would love to see, and this is particularly with the work we do with businesses, is people adopting a prevention rather than mm. cure approach. So what can I do now to mitigate against the risks of burnout and educate myself on how to manage health? But to answer your question, it is usually people who are right at the brink. And if you think about how we're priced, you know, three and a half to 10K, this is only a certain type of income will allow you to adopt that yeah. approach as a preventative measure. So quite often it's when people have got absolutely to the cusp of what they can endure and they're desperate. And that's normally a good stage as well to approach something like this because you are ready to make the decisions and the changes that are required to turn your health around. You need to at that point, don't you? You've got Absolutely, no choice. Absolutely, yeah. There's a burning imperative. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, so we're going to take a break. We're going to go to one of your songs. Uh, this is uh, Come On People by Richard Ashcroft. I don't think I even know this one. What's a cracker? I'll learn it soon. Um, why did you choose this one? Because it's a, a belting song, as you'll hear in a second, and it reminds me of um, 15, 20 years ago, whenever, whenever, somewhere around that time, uh, when we used to be quite party orientated, and this would always get us up in the morning. <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> get us up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, enjoy this song. Please do remember, if you've got any questions you want to email in, it's studio at ridgeradio.co.uk. So, Leanne, off air, we were talking about a couple of things here. Just before, we were talking about burnout, and you were saying that people come to you almost like at the cusp of it sort of thing. So is there signs, example, to show that your body is... Because I would imagine some people 
is it stress or is it burnout? Mm. Is it stress? Is, is it going to go? Is, is it? Yeah. How would you actually? Is there certain signs that you might know, or is it? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, there's as individuals, as human beings, we were designed to endure stress. You know, you go back to, to ancestral times, we'd have had a hell of a lot of stressful events going on, being hunted, the need to find food, the need to build shelter and have protection. And we'd have endured that stress because that's what we're designed to do. And we'd have had appropriate recovery. So then the other thing about stress is there's different forms of it. You stress and distress. So you stress is a positive stress. So when you go to the gym, you put yourself under you stress, a positive form of stress, and then you allow adequate recovery and you get the physiological adaptations of that. Distress would be severe emotional trauma, for example, which is not a good thing. But we were designed to endure both types of those stress, providing the major caveat being we get adequate recovery. And that's the issue with burnout. I think it's, it's people are under too much stress for too long. And there's a great little example, which won't work for radio, but you can you get someone to hold a glass of water out with an outstretched arm. The glass of water isn't heavy and they hold this glass of water out with the outstretched arm. Most people can't do it for more than two or three minutes. So the point is not the weight of what you're carrying. It's how long you're carrying it for. You have to put that weight down. That's the kind of recovery. So you have stress recovery, stress recovery. What starts to happen is you approach chronic stress and then into burnout is you're just carrying too much for too long. There's no recovery there, whether it's a relaxing walk or a massage or a bath or just doing something that's not work related or stress related for the weekend. So one of the things I do is to encourage people to prioritize recovery in all the different ways. And there's this lovely concept we have called heartfulness, which is kind of two things. One, it's reconnecting with something you used to really enjoy. So maybe somebody, the convergent pressures of work and home have squeezed out any bandwidth they have for things they used to love, whether it's walking or building bolster airplanes or knitting or whatever. They've got no time. These are live examples. Yeah, no. They've got no time to do that anymore. And it, beca- you know, it means that life becomes a very humdrum. It's very work, home, work, home. So we encourage people to reconnect with that thing that they used to love or enjoy. And the other side of heartfulness is also contribution. It's doing something for someone else that takes you out of self. So that's an example of recovery, that kind of heartfulness type approach. Signs that you, your stress is becoming chronic would be struggling to sleep, maybe a loss of appetite, maybe weight gain because of elevated cortisol in the body. The body will always keep the score, so there'll always be manifestations somehow. It's whether or not you're kind of tuned in to, mm. to feeling those. Hair loss would be another instance of chronic stress, anxiety behavioral problems or personality problems and it might be that someone else notices that in you rather than then you notice it in yourself and then as you approach burnout it becomes very difficult to manage anything even things that you used to enjoy so anhedonia will occur which is the opposite of hedonia anhedonia is no pleasure in things you used to find pleasurable you may find that you you don't want to go in and the very extreme examples two people i've known One was walking from one meeting to another in the city and just stopped dead and had no idea where he'd come from or where he was going. Phoned his partner, who said, I can't help you, where are you? He didn't know where he was. In the end, she phoned his daughter, who who said, stay on the phone, Dad, and tell me what you can see. So that's a very extreme example, but that's where the body is just starting to shut down because it can't take any more. Another client was on a bus on her way to work, and the idea of going in just filled her with such horror that she sat on the bus until it turned around and came back down to the stop she'd got on at and went home and went to bed for two days. So if you don't pay attention to these signs, these little flags, and there are tons more in, in my book, Rise and Shine, then the body will keep the score. It will catch up with you. And, you know, we were talking off air about how can some people can endure lots of stress and others yeah. can't so much. And it comes in part to resilience, but there's no kind of guilt associated with that. Some people are naturally more resilient. The things that have happened to them in childhood have made them more so. 
They maybe have a better home life, which offers a certain amount of support. They may still put certain things into place that allow them that, that recovery opportunity. That means they can endure a bit more. So it comes down to a whole number of factors resilience but i do think there's things you can do to practice and build resilience so assuming you're in fairly good health take yourself into your discomfort zone every now and again with something not something that's so frightening that you know you're not sleeping for weeks but you know sports a great way of doing that you know maybe you train for a couch to 5k or a park run but it could be public speaking learning an instrument getting yourself on an online dating website something like that it just takes you into your discomfort zone every now and again and that helps to build a little layer of resilience. Every time you do that, you feel a bit stronger, a bit more confident, a bit more capable. So that's one thing people can do to develop a bit more resilience. And it's also good for yourself sometimes to do things that you step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yes, it builds up your resilience like you're saying, but it's also good for your for business owners because yep. otherwise if you literally just do what you know how to do the whole time, sometimes you might get bored of doing it as well. You might, but also you're not, you're not testing yourself. You're not putting no. yourself under any, any kind of strain. So, you know, think what we do in exercise, we, we test the muscle. We put it under so much strain that it then needs to recover. And when it recovers, it becomes a little bit stronger. And that's what we need to do as individuals as well to develop that resilience. And none more so, and this is a business show, business owners are going to be subjected to a great deal mm. of uncertainty on a daily basis because that's what business is like. The more resilient you can be, the more used you can be to being in uncomfortable situations, the better it is for you in, in business. And the better, you know, you're the engine of the business, so the healthier and more robust and resilient you are, the healthier, more robust and resilient the business is, and your team will be, because hopefully you'll be role modelling those kind of behaviours. And also, as business owners, sometimes we want to do everything shall we say. And, some, and that's where you've got to learn, in my opinion, that you can't do everything in this world. You have mm. to do that delegate sort of stuff and, and pass something over to somebody else to do. Yeah. And that's part of taking you out of your comfort zone as well, because it's like almost, is that person going to do it as good as me? Yeah. Attitude as well, isn't it really? Yeah. But you have to, you have to do it. Yeah, you do. Otherwise, and as a business owner, I find that it's very easy. I mean, having done it for 20 years now, it's very easy to work, I don't know, 17, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you don't take that, I don't know, for me, it's going to watch my kids play rugby or whatever else is my outside zone. But yeah, you need that, don't you? Even if it is just a little bit of a weekend or like you say, yeah. go out for a walk or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it can be quite helpful. It sounds a bit kiddie, but if you use, for example, an Outlook calendar or a Google calendar, colour code the week. So red might be working, green might be rest and recovery, blue might be sleep and so on. And then have a look at that. Can you see a swathe of red across that diary with hardly any green? And then that's your kind of cue, right? I need to put in more rest and recovery. Because a common mistake I see made is that people think, well, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, I'm okay at the moment. But something I'm hearing more and more from interacting with people is a concern that I may be doing okay now, but is the way I'm living my life now, today, going to cost me in the future? Mm. And that's a big part of our, our message, really. It's about health span, not lifespan. I don't want to live. I don't ha I'd love to live to 100, but only if I'm still walking, talking, feeding myself, etc. Exactly. I'd rather live to 80 and be, be have, you know, have a long health span, be healthy up until that point, than the, the last 20 years from 80 to 100 where I'm being yeah. pushed around. So a, a con increasing concern is, I, okay, I'm getting away with it now, or I'm having to live this, this life now, but what impact is that going to have in the next 30, 40 years? Very true. So from a company point of view, let's say you work with big organisations. You've said that you work with business, businesses up to 500 employees sort of thing. Whose responsibility is it to 
care for the well-being of the staff i mean is it i mean you hear more nowadays obviously about well-being mental health and stuff like that which is fantastic because five years ago everyone nobody really spoke about anything like that and now it's much more talked about which is brilliant but from a business organization if you are say yourself like a business owner with Mm. 10 11 members of staff or whatever whose responsibility is it is it your staff to make sure that they do stuff is it your boss to make sure that you do it well, that's a Where's great question. Line? I think it's about 50-50. When we work with businesses, we focus on three things, sleep, mental health, and energy. So the, the other three of those six signals are body composition, digestive health, and fitness. And they're not things I think an employer should be very interested in. It certainly would be very intrusive and quite difficult. But sleep, mental health, and energy... As an employee, I should be very interested in sleeping well, having good mental health and being really energised for life. And an employer should be equally interested in me having those things. So I think it's about 50-50. One thing that certain really forward-looking game-changing companies are entertaining and and implementing is a health charter. So this is an agreement between you and your team. I'm going to provide you with these sort of preventative uh, measures. So we're going to give you lots of education around sleep, how to sleep. We may even have a sleep pod in the office somewhere. We're going to teach you different ways you can manage good mental health. We're going to provide an environment that's energising, whether it's access to natural light, access to natural spaces. We're not crowding people too much together, etc., etc. Maybe it's got some motivational pictures or images on the walls, all that kind of stuff. And we're going to do all of that. And then we expect you to be making sure you get seven to eight hours of sleep on most nights, that you're doing proactive things to have good mental health and that you're keeping yourself highly energised as well, whether it's through food, through hydration, through movement. And then we measure each other on how well we've kept that pledge, if you like, every six months or 12 months. I have no one company do it every 12 weeks. And that sounds like quite a sort of revolutionary thing Mm. to consider. But why not? You know, we hold people accountable to their performance metrics. But bringing the right level of energy could just be another performance metric. And that involves making sure you're managing mental health and sleep. So it's very easy to navigate around that type of agreement. And, and a lot of companies are thinking about that now. And I don't, I don't see a lot more actually doing it. So I think it's to answer your question, it's a joint responsibility. But organisations who really want to attract and retain talent will be leading with well-being in terms of how they compete. So I don't think it's going to be so much about company cars, corner offices, salary. I think it's going to be a lot more around here's what we do for well-being. Here's how we look after people. And that will be what attracts and retains the talent. It's not just the right thing to do. It has a clear link to the bottom line as well. We know it costs about £30,000 to hire and and train up an employee in the UK. So if you can improve your retention rate, it it very quickly leads to the bottom line. And you've got employees who are shouting about working for you. You Zappos is a call centre and Zappos is a business and in the US sells shoes. But they've got some of the highest retention rates it's unbelievably high, actually. I think something like 86% of staff, very few of those that go have gone because they haven't wanted it in some way. They've got loads of stuff they do for well-being, through to company events, to sleep pods, to providing a canteen, to rewarding people on behaviours that match the company values. They even, actually, in Zappos, they train you up. And at the end of your training period, I think they'll offer two or $3,000 to leave. So if there's any ambiguity about whether this is the place for you, no worries. There's three, there's, which is w- well more than, uh, considerably more than a month's salary. And if you take that, great. We've just got rid of some dead wood that would have given us a problem otherwise. So, so they've got some really good stuff around retention and well-being. And as a result, even though it's a call centre, you know, people are queuing up to work there and you, they get a lot of really positive 
press. Tony Shea, who runs that business, gets a lot of positive press around what they do for wellbeing. But also, technology has changed things maybe in the last decade or so, especially for senior people. They get their emails on their phones, so mm. they don't switch off from work anymore. Yeah. Have you any experience with companies maybe disabling their email server between yes. certain hours and yeah. that sort um, of thing? There is one company... I can't remember the name, but there's somewhere in Sweden or somewhere in Scandinavia anyway. They've taken it to a real extreme. They don't just want you to not look at email after a certain time. The desks are connected to the ceiling, and I kid you not, at 6 o'clock, they go up in the air. <laughs> and then the place becomes a yoga studio in the evening. So you literally, if you're not done by 6, your desk goes up to the ceiling, and you'll either go with it or you'll go home. So Daimler have got a, an email policy for vacation time. So... What will happen is if I'm going on holiday Friday, five o'clock, my email will be disabled at five o'clock. And if Chantal tries to send me an email, you'll just get a note to say I'm on vacation. Your email's been destroyed. You know, there may be a signpost if it's urgent, go to X. Otherwise, we send your email on Monday 4th because Leanne's not working. And that way, I'm not coming back. So often I see people book holidays from Saturday to Saturday and then they spend the Sunday doing their email or they do their email for two hours every morning and then I'm with the family. Or they just keep an eye on email all day. So you're never really disengaging. Mm -hmm. And in that way, you don't come back to a deluge of email because it's just all been destroyed. You can literally pick up where you left off with an empty inbox. So I think that's a fantastic way of that's doing it. That's a very it. good way. Yeah. And why, why would that not be more commonly implemented? I mean, yeah, no, very good way. Because yeah. at the end of the day, like you say, if it was an urgent email, they would just forward it to another person. How much email is urgent, though? Well, I mean, it's not. Yeah, and that's the funny thing with email. I'm, I'm looking at an inbox now, but and it's literally, it's like a to-do list. That's yeah. how we've kind of see email. It's gone from being an excellent, still is an excellent communication tool, to somebody's inbox. And if I was to reach across, Matt, and I was to, to just write something on your to-do list, handwritten, you'd probably be a bit miffed. Hang on a minute, that's my list, and I, what are you doing adding on to it? But if I emailed you, you kind of be, oh, I've got to do that. It'll sit there as a sort of a pending action. So we, we've kind of lost, I think, a bit of touch with how email, you know, what, what it was designed to do. So more, more discipline around email, you know, does that person need to be copied in? And that's the other thing. A lot of people copying people just for the sake of copying yeah. in people, don't they? Yeah. Or I love it when you've got, you're on a chain of emails and there's 15 and it's reply to all. You go, yeah. Painful. No, I really did not need to read yeah. all those 12 emails. So, I mean, if you're a business owner listening in, you can set the tone of email. Maybe it's purely a communication tool. Maybe you stipulate emails need to be very pithy. Don't click reply all. Don't add people on just for covering of backsides or mm. FYI, or you may be tenuously interested vaguely at some point about the contents of this. You can set the tone around how email is used. Encourage people. I mean, I don't know what sort of size businesses listen in, but... Um, assuming it's not at the top end of the corporate scale. No. So does does somebody need to be on the email? Could they get up and have that conversation? Could That's very, very true. I mean, getting up out of your chair just to have a conversation with someone yeah. rather than send someone in the office an email is yeah. very... and this is good for wellbeing because you're getting yeah, up and you're, you're moving. Getting up. Encourage people to move, encourage them to communicate and to bond and connect. That's all central to really good wellbeing. And if you do need to make a phone call, you can you stand up and make that phone call rather than sitting. We're going slightly into a different topic now, but... You know, email is a great tool, but I think we've slightly lost touch of how to uh, to use it to our advantage. And I think also as business owners for businesses in an office, shall we say, it's probably really good to actually say to your staff, have you had a lunch break today? Have you actually gone out today? Because yeah. if you're in a small environment, it's very 
easy to get caught up and just do it run upstairs make lunch quickly sit there eat it at your desk yeah. while you're carrying on working and you haven't actually left the building yeah and a bit of fresh air even if it is 20 minutes around the block or yeah. whatever or over so, to the park it's good for you absolutely we know for good healthy circadian rhythm which is what governs our sleep that we need access to lots of natural light and movement the two things that we really don't get an awful lot of in most office jobs so by encouraging people yourself and your team to get out and move around in the fresh air is going to have a, a positive effect on their well-being and therefore their productivity yeah a simple little hack for movement as well there's a 25 pound or roughly that device on on amazon i've got no affiliation with it no connection it's called a laptop table and it's this little concertina device and you put it on the desk put your laptop on top and that's a standing desk you slide out from underneath if you've got deep work to do you put it back on the table and there you are you've got a normal desk again 25 pounds and that gets at least people standing up and moving their weight from one foot to the other rather than sitting mm. that's really important so just thinking little about things like that make a big difference don't they really yeah. and they can't be they're not that expensive either yep right so we're going to take another quick break we're going to go to another song uh this is liam gallagher once uh why did you choose this one well uh the gallaghers um <laughs> I, I don't I don't think they're the most impressive individuals all of the time, but I do think they're incredible musicians. Liam's an awesome front man. And this is this is his new album and it's absolutely brilliant, particularly if you're of the Oasis blur kind of you know, that was all playing when I was at uni. So yeah, and this is one of the best songs on the album, I think. Right, so enjoy this song. So Leanne, when I first introduced you, we talked about that you've written two books, Remove the Guesswork and Rise and Shine, and also that you host podcasts called Remove the Guesswork. Hmm. So we've talked a bit about Rise and Shine. You sort of mentioned that book yeah. a bit. So the podcast and the book Remove the Guesswork, what's all that about then? Yeah, so Rise and Shine was written about my story, but that's just one chapter of it. It's really about how to recover from burnout. You know, we talked a bit about what are the signs, all that's in there. Remove the Guesswork was the second book I wrote. And that is the highly personalised approach to health, fitness and wellbeing that puts you first. So in that book, I talk more about how you can really personalise your own health, fitness and wellbeing. So using things like DNA testing to find out what the ideal diet type is for you blood testing to get some real-time data on where your levels are at of iron, cholesterol, D3, B6, B12, and so on. Microbiome testing, which is really interesting. What we're now learning about health is that a lot of chronic conditions and things, autoimmune conditions like asthma, eczema, autism, but also depression, even some tenuous links to heart disease and cancer could potentially originate from the gut. So from either an over-prevalence of adverted commas bad bacteria or, or just not enough diversity in the gut which is really interesting so um, mm. a whole branch of medicine called functional medicine which if you went in with chronic headaches and insomnia they would do a gut test to start with just to look at the, the diversity of bacteria and that would be the first thing they'd look at rather than thinking of headache tablets yeah or whatever and they may do that at the same time so i talk a bit about the gut testing in there as well it's a review of wearable technology so rings, wristbands, other kind of devices that you can wear that help you to hack your physiology, to understand what's going on and to bring it back to kind of stress and burnout, which I think is, is probably on the minds of many business owners. The body sends signals, but we've become really good at ignoring them. Mm. So, for example, heart rate variability is, is one thing that you can't detect without technology, and that's a really good indicator of nervous system recovery. The body will send other kind of signals that we've either ignored or we just can't detect. So you can use technology in a balanced way to pick up on those those signals. So to see how recovered is my nervous system. Am I is that quite to... useful? I don't know if it's prevalent more nowadays for people that 
develop allergies or intolerances later in life. You know, yeah. They weren't intolerant before. Yeah. And suddenly they become so. There must be something that could be the gut or it could be the yeah. diet, I guess. So. Yeah. So we're kind of the same. So, yeah, that, that can normally be picked up with a gut test. And, you know, it's become really Matthew's common. thinking of me here. Well, I, I picked up on that. <laughs> Direct access, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, thing, the microbiome changes. It's very evolving. And it can be that in later life you can pick up allergies and intolerances. But I also think there's something in our environment that's changing as well. You know, it's perhaps there's something called the hygiene hypothesis, which is that we've used so many antibacterial products that we're not subjected to mm. any sort of germs, and that's altered our microbiome which could lead to an allergy or an intolerance that one didn't have before. That's obviously all speculative, but I mean, it's, it does happen. And I go to great lengths to not have antibacterial products. So we use goat milk kefir soaps. Apart from my hair, which obviously listeners can't see, but it's got a considerable amount of product to keep it. <laughs> Apart from that, and I have just discovered a hair putty, which is, is chemical free. The next step will be hairspray, which may be more challenging. Mm. I don't use any chemicals on my skin. So... And that, I think, is skin is the largest organ in the body. It's mm. very porous. So anything you put on the skin is going to be rapidly absorbed into the body. Definitely. And that can alter your gut microbiome. So by really thinking a bit more about gut health, I think is, is a, a really good step you can take for health. So it's about that. It's about wearable technology and testing. It's really how can it... And it's not just about spending money either. You won't come out of reading the book with a, a long shopping list of tests and technology you need to buy. There's also things that you can do for nothing to help personalise what you do. Because that's the other big trend that's been around for a while in health, fitness and well-being. It's personalization. It's never mind what worked for you, Matt, or you, Chantal, or my mum, or my friend, or my client. It's what's going to work for me. Yeah. And if you're going to put time in particular, but money into a well-being program, make it very personal. Make it as personal as you can do. So that's what the book's about. The podcast is of the same name. And that's a show we go out twice a week. We have an episode every Wednesday, which is an interview. So I'll get somebody from the health, fitness and wellbeing space on the show. They may be a very big name that you've heard of and they may be someone you've never heard of who's just done something quite extraordinary with their health. And then on Saturdays, I put out a 10-minute insights podcast, which is where I talk a solo show for 10 minutes or so on a little insight. So recently I've recorded on some of the underappreciated aspects of wellbeing. Autonomy was one which we've mentioned. Variety was another which we've mentioned. Or something that's just come to me. Or I've been experimenting with a continual blood glucose monitor, which is a little device that sits on the waist, which tracks all my blood sugar responses to food, drink, exercise, being sedentary. And I had a really interesting insight from that. So I recorded that on the podcast. Mm. And that's been a lot of fun to do, you know. I was going to say, quite it's quite fun doing quite all the different experimental things as well, isn't it, really? Yeah, I don't do a huge amount of experimental stuff, but it is fun. And the insight I got from wearing this blood glucose monitor is I was sat at my desk about six or eight months ago, and we had some challenges in the business at the time, and I suddenly just felt really uncharacteristically despondent and, oh, I think we're just going to have to do this. I just think we've just got to bite the bullet and do this to solve this problem. And then literally less than a minute later, my app went off to signal that my blood sugar was tanking but it dropped well below baseline and was tanking and i i just wonder how close you know how correlated yeah. those two things were because we know there's a profound link between food and mood mm. blood sugar that that drop in blood sugar probably precipitated that uncharacteristic dip in mood so that was a little lesson you know keep your blood sugar fairly stable so that means having little snacks or eating good, proper food a, a little bit more frequently than I was. So that was an interesting insight. So that's the kind of thing I would put out in the insights episode. But it is a lot of fun to do and great. 
And if people wanted to listen to your podcast, how can they listen to your podcast? So you can get, that's a good question. So you can go onto the website, bodyshotperformance.com. So that's bodyshot with a T, performance.com. And if you click on the right in the, the search bar and you click on blog, that will pull up. And in fact, that's a really good resource for your listeners because that will not only pull up all our podcast episodes, but it'll pull up all the content we've put out over the last four years. And there's a lot of it. So lots on sleep, on mental health, on energy, body composition, digestion, fitness, well-being. And if you can use the search bar up on that top right hand corner as well, and you could just search sleep or blood sugar or anything like that, and it would find all the results written and an audio content that we've done on that topic. But it's also on iTunes. So if you look for remove the guesswork on iTunes or Spotify, you'll find it. Brilliant. So I'm assuming you do the podcast all yourself or does somebody else in your team help you do them or is it something you do? I record it myself and then it goes out to somebody in the Philippines. So when I say we're a team of 10, we're very, very segregate in terms of our locations. And he, Ren is his name, he will put that show together and then publish it. So all I do is lay down the audio, the fun bit, have the conversation. Yeah, exactly. The easy bit. Uh, yeah, definitely. And the rest of the fiddly little stuff that's not really me is done by Ven. And then I've got another member of my team, Lorraine, who will then, and Antonio, who will distribute that content across our social media platforms. So as a business owner, because that's one of the other things that lots of business owners say to me is how, like, obviously you can't do everything. And if you're recording the podcast, I'm assuming then, like you've just said, somebody else does this and somebody else does the social media. Yeah. Did you ever do them yourself or no. did you think right from the beginning I'm not going to get involved yeah so I had somebody in the business who's not here anymore called Claire who did the podcast originally and we learned in a really scrappy way we had a very sort of roundabout way of getting our equipment together but it worked and she didn't know anything about it either so we just did the research and then she would listen into the shows and do a bit of editing we had no intro music we had no outro we did very little sort of editing on the fly it was kind of like just lay this down and get it out so we've learned quite a bit along the way but i mean one thing i will say is the way that business can be done now it's, it's such a you, know, you can have there are websites like fiverr which i've used a couple of times where you can literally advertise that you want a brochure put together and someone will do that for you our podcast is done very cheaply relatively speaking because it's someone in the philippines so mm. the 50 dollars he gets for the one hour episode is great money for him it feels like tuppence halfpenny for the amount of effort that must be involved for me but you know so we we use resources in different parts of the world i'm massive on delegation i want to be able to do what i want to do so well, definitely business. i think it's really important yeah and i don't want to be caught up in little bitty stuff and that's not a good use of, of what i think of my skills so we've got people across the world you can think globally when you've got you know the internet now yeah and you can outsource tasks to people in different countries for whom it's great money for them and feels very cheap and cost effective for us so that's definitely something i would know what can you delegate and can you go online and find a, a vendor somewhere in the world who can do it really cost effectively and you can and that's the thing yeah. isn't it it's just just you've got to find them and then that's and it then you trust them yeah yeah you give that over to them and let them let them run with it yeah definitely so finally what would your advice be to business owners listening and thinking okay is it stress is it burnout what, what should i do how can i cope so there's one thing that you could do. Jump onto our website. We have a health IQ quiz on the website. So bodyshopperformance.com. Scroll down and you'll see take the test. That's 24 questions, four questions on sleep, four questions on mental health, four questions on energy and so on. And that'll give people a score at the end and they'll get a highly personalized report with quite a bit of content on those different six signal areas. That would be the first step. Alternatively, you can go to the book Rise and Shine, buy that and have a good read. It'll give you a ton of stuff. I'm very happy to once they've done the health IQ to offer a free discovery session 
which is usually up to an hour with me and we'll go through those results and talk very specifically about that individual situation and offer some advice there on the spot and also you know how it might work if we work together Otherwise, I would just do what I suggested about colour coding the diary and think about how much time you're spending working and how much time you're spending with recovery, even if it's just pockets of time throughout the day. Most people are just under recovered. So can you take a bit of a step back, delegate a bit more, whatever, take a bit of a step back and build in more recovery? Brilliant. Right. So hopefully that has answered everybody's questions. Thank you for coming in. Thank, thank you. you for having me. That is the end of our show. show. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotsperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test and at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39-page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.